Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, March 13th, 2020. Friday the 13th, that's right. There are many things we could talk about today, including a virus, a novel virus, at large in the world, scaring the world. That makes me think today really just might be unlucky. But I know that God controls the universe, that luck has nothing to do with it. So today, on this Friday the 13th, we talk not about the virus, but about a new sultan, a new Ottoman dictator who has arisen in the Middle East. The Ottoman Empire, established in the year 1299, lasted for 624 years until it was finally dissolved by World War I. Great Britain, at the end of that war, the empire, became one of the most powerful in the world, but it was cut down to size by World War I and by Great Britain, becoming instead the Republic of Turkey as we know it today. The first leader of Turkey was Kemal Ataturk, and his influence to some extent is still felt in the Middle East today. The Turks celebrate every year his reign as a national holiday. The Ottoman Empire, with their leader referred to as Sultan, conquered Constantinople, entering the, uh, ending the Byzantine Empire. They drove to the very gates of Vienna in 1529. They were turned back there by a European army led by Polish King John Sobieski, a man who understood what Muslim conquest of Europe would come to mean the Sultan of the Ottomans, was an inherited title which passed to the eldest son upon the sultan's death today. A new sultan has arisen in modern Turkey. He is a man who apparently thinks of himself as a successor to Suleiman the Magnificent and to Ataturk. His name is Recep Tayyip Erdogan. He's quite open about his plans for the Islamic conquest of Europe. Unlike the siege of Vienna, he says... He will conquer Europe through migration by releasing millions of Muslim migrants across his border into Europe. So his strategy is not military conquest this time, but demographic conquest. He threatens Europe with the release of millions of migrants who will Islamicize the West. He's been making these threats for several weeks now, just as he did in 2015. That time he was bribed by the Europeans with a few billion dollars, few billion euros, that is, to stop and hold the migrants in his own country. This time is different for many reasons. Erdogan is following through on his threat to use the migrants encamped in Turkey as a weapon against Europe and against NATO. Ironically, it's been 71 years since NATO was founded. It was founded to jointly defend its members from invasion, but by a strange quirk of fate, the invasion of NATO comes from a NATO member. Yes, that's right. Turkey, an obvious enemy of Europe and of the United States, is a NATO member. In 1529, the Ottoman Empire sent a large army to lay siege to the Christian city of Vienna. Forces from several allied regions of Europe led, as I said previously, by John Sobieski, King of Poland and Lithuania, turned back the Muslim army and prevented the Islamization of the European continent. This time, there are some similarities and some differences to the invasion. The new sultan, 
Recep Erdogan has unleashed his army of tens of thousands of mostly young men of military age upon Europe. He is in clear violation of the, the agreement that brought him great wealth from the collectivized efforts of Europe. The European states would much rather pay tribute to the Muslim dictators who threatened them than they would to defend themselves. I wonder if the European leaders could muster the courage to resist Hitler's invading army today. My guess is they would, but with U.S. help, they would be willing to do so. But a demographic attack is a different matter. When a Muslim dictator announces in advance he intends to Islamicize your continent through demographic invasion that is tantamount to a declaration of war against you. But there he is. He's the fox in the NATO chicken coop. The Turkish government has kept a running record of the number of, quote, migrants unleashed against the border of Europe as weapons of Islamization. Most of the border trouble is divided between Bulgaria and Greece at the border city of what used to be Adrianople, but is now called Edirne by the Turkish Islamic occupiers. This invasion could be resisted, could be defeated by a determined European community, but first, it takes a knowledge that your home, the sacred soil under your feet, your way of life, your heritage, your civilization are yours. They're worth defending, worth fighting for. There are things that must be fought for. Political correctness sometimes must be ignored, as well as the insults of others, just as the Ottomans were driven back. Hitler was eventually driven back out of Europe. These invaders could be driven back as well by determined and combined effort. Europe does seem more resistant this time than they were during the, 19, the 2015 invasion. Even the mildest of European leaders... Angela Merkel, for example, Chancellor of Germany, Ms. Merkel said, quote, Turkish President Recep Erdogan's decision to bust thousands of migrants from refugee camps to Turkey's border with Greece was the wrong approach, even if Ankara currently does not feel sufficiently supported by Europe. End quote. Coming from Ms. Merkel, that very mild statement, very mild disagreement, is the equivalent of a declaration of war. Turkey has declared its border with Greece open so that Europe will have to accept its share of the burden. What Turkey doesn't say is that it is Turkey's war against the Syrian army, against Iran, against Russia, against Hezbollah, against just about everybody. It's war in Syria that is creating the refugees that are swarming north. Greece has fortified its border now. It sent troops there, reportedly. Greek troops have fired on people trying to force their way through the border barriers. Greek islands, Greek islands, hundreds of them, are another problem with many migrants landing on the island of Lesbos in particular. The EU bureaucrats in Brussels have sent money to Greece to help them financially with the crisis, along with several bureaucrats who traveled to Greece this very week to see the situation on the ground, Turkey has announced it is sending 1,000 special operation troops to prevent Greek authorities from returning people who managed to cross, which will leave thousands of migrants trapped in no man's land, never mind Europe and how the European Union directs Greek action, Turkey's actions, are acts of war against Greece, a once sovereign nation, once with self-respect.
Meanwhile, several NGOs, that's non-governmental organizations, including Amnesty International, have expressed concern to Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsutakis about how Greek authorities were handling, quote, new arrivals. They expressed concern about that. Well, I would recommend telling them that Greece doesn't have a problem with new arrivals. It does have a problem with invasion. That invasion will be resisted by any means necessary. Greece and Turkey are longtime regional foes. Apparently, the two leaders still feel that way. Erdogan reportedly refused to fly on the same plane or even appear in a photograph with Mitsutakis. So hundreds of millions of euros will be sent to Greece by the EU to enable Greece to do Europe's fighting for it. The EU foreign policy chief told migrants, don't go to the border. The border is not open. If someone tells you to go to the border because it is open, that is not true. How would this Brussels bureaucrat reach people in refugee camps in Turkey, you may ask? It seems that even migrants, even those living in a refugee camp today, have social media. So you just put it up on Facebook or Twitter. So Erdogan, the new sultan, fancies himself the reincarnation of Suleiman the Magnificent or Kemal Ataturk. He's declared war on Europe by his actions of using migrants as weapons. Europe is resistant as long as Greece will do the fighting for them. You know, Europe has a history of using mercenaries. They used mercenaries against the colonies during our own revolution. Time will tell if Europe is finally starting to grow a backbone or not. Meanwhile, Erdogan is fighting a two-front war. He is at least symbolically at war with Europe, specifically Greece. While he is fighting a real shooting war in Syria, Turkey's war in Syria is taking place primarily in the Idlib province, which is on the northern border of Syria and the southern border of Turkey. It cuts down into Syria, affecting areas fought over by the Syrian army, the Russian forces deployed in Syria, the Iranians and their Lebanese terrorist allies, Hezbollah, but hopefully not the United States. NATO, oddly enough, expressed support for Turkey's position regarding Russia in Syria. Conflict has been escalating for several months with several Turkish troops being killed in battle and by Russian airstrikes. Last Thursday, Erdogan went to Moscow for talks with Vladimir Putin to defuse the situation, at least to attempt to. Putin, ever the skillful diplomat, tried to leave Erdogan a graceful way out, Putin's introductory remarks. Quote, at the beginning of our meeting, I would like to once again express my sincere condolences over the death of your servicemen in Syria, unfortunately. As I have already told you during our phone call, nobody, including Syrian troops, had known their whereabouts. End quote. I suppose that was how a world leader tells a local leader that if his, he positions troops in a war zone who appear to be Jihadis are at least enemy soldiers. They might be targeted by mistake. The final way Putin allowed Erdogan to save face in the talks was a ceasefire. He suggested a ceasefire followed by joint Russian-Turkish patrolling along a common Turkish-Syrian highway in Italy back in Europe, the front, in a crisis created in part and continually stoked by Turkish participation. In the Syrian war is already out of hand. Greece is an economic basket case. 
has been for several years totally dependent on credit from European central banks and the International Monetary Fund, Greece, has started to voice concern. To defend itself in several recent weeks, Greece used to take a welcoming, hospitable tone with Muslim migrants, but now it has far more to lose. It has far more migrants than it can afford or ever cure for. Some Greek islands reportedly have more migrants than Greeks now. So query, if, as certain organizations such as Amnesty International suggest, Europe, and especially Greece, cannot resist migration, cannot refuse asylum applications because they have a sense of responsibility for the foreigners who invade them, many of whom appear to be of military age and male, what, if any, responsibility do they have to their own citizens? What, if any, advantage is citizenship in any country? Does citizenship simply bestow upon one the obligation to pay taxes for the support of foreigners, or is there more to it than that? Greece finds itself alone, facing an onslaught of millions, but at least hundreds of thousands. Conservatively, there is not a finger lifted by the EU to help, except with the handout of a few dollars which the European banks will, of course, expect to be returned. Armed civilian militia patrol Greek villages along the border and on the Greek Isles. It is to the advantage of the EU bloc of nations that Greek resist this invasion because Greece is not the invader's ultimate destination. Greece is in such poor shape economically that the migrants are not offered welfare in Greece. Therefore, they are ultimately moving on to where the welfare states are more stable and more lucrative. Nations such as Germany, Belgium, Denmark, and Sweden, their ultimate destinations, it would then be to the advantage of the other nations of the EU to help the Greeks defend themselves. Right now, they're fighting for all of Europe, but they're fighting alone. If the Greeks lose this fight, then Europe will be forced to fight the migrants without Greece as a buffer or they will be forced to surrender to the invasion. Finally, folks, Franklin Roosevelt knew that England fought alone for the entire free world. He wanted to help them rather than see them go under to the Nazis. He got around the Neutrality Act by, quote, lending ships and other war materials to England on provision they would be returned after the war. That was lending, not selling war materials. He didn't want America fighting the Nazis alone if he let England go under. A similar event plays out in Europe once again, at least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.